Hey guys, this is Danny, the lead pastor at Swerve Church, and I'm so thankful that you're tuning in to the podcast today. I hope that the message that you're about to listen to will be extremely encouraging and uplifting, and honestly, I pray and hope that it's challenging to you as well. I want to invite you to join us Sundays at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub at 239 Stanhope Street right here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Or I want to invite you to join us live online on Sundays at 11 a.m. on our Facebook or YouTube page. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I pray that you are encouraged by today's message. So we just entered the second month of the new year. Can you guys believe it? We are in February already, which is insane. In the new year, oftentimes we set resolutions and, and goals. Maybe to start something new or, or, or a new hobby or a new ha- habit. We want to lose some weight or maybe even begin a new business venture or, or read more. Not all resolutions, however, involve starting something new. Sometimes resolutions include stopping something, stopping a, a bad habit. For example, for some, smoking or drinking too much. Maybe stopping an addiction or maybe even a harmful action that you regularly take, something that's harmful, especially to you or to others that are around you. Statistically, by somewhere in the middle of January, most of us have already given up. It doesn't take very long to lose the muster and the oomph that we get with the excitement of a brand new year. I wonder how many of us have something that we really wanted to stop. I mean, like, really earnestly, like maybe you've even shed tears over it. Maybe you've even begged God to give you the willpower to stop that thing. You know, you really wanted to honor God and this thing is keeping you from doing that. You want to honor your family or honor your church or honor your community, but this thing, whatever it might be for you, continues to rear its ugly head. It's that thing that keeps you up at night, that secret, that maybe nobody else knows about. Paul in the New Testament, he spoke about a thorn in the flesh. And no one knows exactly what Paul was talking about. He was being a little cryptic about it. Uh, I mean, you, you get that though, right? Sometimes there's certain things and certain aspects of your life that you just want to keep private. And so no one really knows what this thorn in the flesh was. What Was it a sickness? Was it a, a complex that he struggled with? Was it a spiritual attack? Could it have been an ongoing temptation? Something attempting to gnaw at him or pull him away? Regardless of what it actually was, we all know that feeling. The feeling of having something pull and tug at you so much that you would do anything to have it stop, to be freed from its pressure. For Paul, the Bible says that he begged and pleaded with God. It says three different times. In other words, three different seasons of earnestly and desperately praying for God to remove this thorn. And some of you know exactly what he was feeling because it's how you're feeling right now. I mean, you literally stepped into church online today with this thought in your mind. You've been begging God to remove that habit. You're sick and tired of giving in to that temptation. You want to stop feeling that pain and going through that hardship. To some degree, we've all sensed this pain point. We all have our own version of this thorn in the flesh. Elsewhere, Paul goes on to elaborate on this trouble that we all face. And he says something along the lines of, you know, dang, man, like the things that I want to do, the things that are really good for me and that honor God, I don't do those things. But what I don't want to do 
the things that harm me, the things that dishonor God. That's what I end up doing. And I think we all understand that struggle. Then Paul goes on to say this in, in Romans chapter 7. For in my inner self, I delight in God's law, but I see a different law in the parts of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and taking me prisoner to the law of sin in the parts of my body. Then he says, what a wretched man that I am. If you're a follower of Jesus, you sit at the crossroads of living for God and obeying his commands, doing what he desires for your life and fulfilling the sinful desires of the flesh. The Bible describes the sinful desires this, this, as a war that is being waged. And perhaps you're feeling this war being waged in your flesh even right now. You felt this war over this temptation, this addiction, this sin, or this attitude that you cannot shake. So today we're asking the question, why can't I stop? But before we can begin to unravel this question, I want to help you see what's at the root. Perhaps there's many reasons why we submit to temptations, why we keep returning to that harmful situation, why we're unable to change, why it's so difficult to adapt new habits and drop the old bad ones. What we need to understand is that at the root of the problem is not a lack of willpower, is not a lack of motivation, is not that we don't have the right goals placed. No, what we need to understand that the root of the problem is a spiritual one. The underlying issue of all types of addiction, whether it's sexual addiction or substance abuse or eating too much, what the Bible calls gluttony, or our spending habits, getting into ridiculous amounts of debt, the root of the problem, whatever it is, is sin. It boils down to having some felt need and attempting to satisfy that need with everything and anything other than God. You see, it's because we're all sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. We inherit the sinful nature which communicates the same lie that was given way back in the Garden of Eden. What was it? Oh, you don't need God. Hey, His ways are not the best. God is cocky anyway. He wants to control you. He wants to keep you from experiencing the best. In fact, just do whatever brings you immediate pleasure. You see, it's the same lie that the serpent communicated to Adam and Eve. And ultimately, we're attempting to satisfy a void in our lives that can only be ultimately satisfied in Christ. And this is why when we try to stop or quit something, you may succeed short term. You might do well for a little while, but then eventually you fall right back. You lose some weight, but then you put it back on. You quit the habit, but then you run right back to it. You quit looking at that stuff, but then you stumble back onto it. It's because unless you fill up what you've let go of, you're doomed to return back to it. Sometimes you drop one bad habit only to pick up another one. Or you drop one addiction just to pick up another one. We end up like the dog of Proverbs chapter 26. Have you guys ever seen this before? Proverbs 26, 11 says, As a dog returns to its vomit, so also a fool repeats his foolishness. That's pretty gross, ain't it? But that's exactly what we do so often. That sinful appetite we have can never be satisfied. It only craves more and more and more. So what do we do? Maybe you're like, geez, Danny, thanks a lot for the encouragement. Well, this is why I love Christianity. This is why I love Jesus. Christianity acknowledges the reality of our incapability to not sin. Listen, left to our own vices, we're incapable of even choosing God 
And maybe you think to yourself, well, Danny, I've got the willpower. You don't know me. I'm strong. Listen, you can't even control when you sneeze or when you yawn or when you hiccup. But you see, Christianity doesn't simply say, follow the rules. Keep the letter of the law. Do this. Stop doing that. No, you see, Christianity is all about grace. Christianity is all about grace. Christianity is not fix yourself up and then come to Christ. This is where so many people get it wrong. They believe they have to become some cleaned up, better version of themselves. In Christianity, Christ comes to us because we're incapable of fixing ourselves up. And instead of receiving what our sins deserve, we receive grace. And because we receive grace, grace changes absolutely everything. We don't work for forgiveness. We work from forgiveness. We don't change or drop that habit or quit the addiction for salvation. We work from the salvation that's already granted by grace in Jesus. It was Jesus who lived a perfect and sinless life. It was Jesus who died the death for my sin, paying the punishment that I deserved. It was Jesus who rose from the grave so that we can experience newness of life. He took the grave so that I could receive grace. He conquered death so that I can have life. And that's Jesus. And because of this reality, we can function from a place of grace. We can look at the things in our life that we want to change, those things that we want to remove or quit, and we can realize that it's actually what the Bible calls idolatry. We can realize that so often we look to these things for satisfaction, self-worth, and pleasure. We're all designed for worship. In fact, we worship all the time. The question is not whether or not we worship. The question is what or who is the object of our worship. And whenever we allow other things to take the place of God in our life, what you will always realize is that it simply cannot satisfy. Only Jesus can satisfy. I mean a true, lasting, eternal satisfaction. Not a satisfaction that lasts for a little while, that is here for a little bit and then fades. So what we do is replace our idolatrous worship of other things and put it onto Jesus. And we can do so from a place of grace. And when we do, we'll realize that grace changes us from the inside out. Grace is not dependent on our power. It's not dependent on our ability to change, our ability to fix it, stop it, quit it. Grace is not about us at all. Grace simply says that we need to trust God more. And Paul came to this realization about his thorn in the flesh. If you remember, he cried out to the Lord to remove this thing. He begged and pleaded. And if it were you, what would you hope to hear from God? Hey, you can, you can do it. Just try a little harder. Fix it up. You got this. Or just quit it, man. Stop it. Muster the mental willpower to power through. God doesn't say any of that. Instead, he says this in 2 Corinthians 3. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in weakness. God's response to Paul was not do better, do more, work harder, be more religious, pray more, read the scriptures more, search deep within, recite this mantra, or head over to your closest Barnes and Noble and buy the latest self-help book on the shelf. No, God's response was my grace, my grace, my grace is enough. It's not about your ability. And some of you are having a hard time with this because your self is simply too great in your life. 
You know, if we were to be honest with ourselves, you might realize that the greatest idol or God in your life is self. And God says, this is not dependent on you. It's dependent on my grace. Okay, so maybe we're at this point of the message and you're thinking, so Danny, I have no hope with this addiction, with wanting to change, with dropping this habit. I just accept God's grace is sufficient and I keep struggling with this thing. Well, here's what I know. If we can come to the place of accepting God's grace, I believe that miracles can happen. I totally believe that God can give you the strength to overcome, to resist, to deny, to grow, to stop, and to change. But it won't be your strength. It will be His. And I believe that if we replace that temporary satisfaction in whatever it is that we pursue with the eternal satisfaction that is found in Jesus, fueled by grace, amazing things can and will happen. There are so many stories and testimonies of people who've had addictions broken, who've had their lives changed and dropped bad habits. But it all begins with grace. Take a moment right now to examine your life. Have you ever wondered, why can I stop? Why can I stop this addiction? Why can I stop this habit? Could it be that you're attempting to fill a God-shaped void with things that are constantly leave you running empty? or keep you returning for more because it's simply not enough? Could it be that you're not operating from a place of grace and maybe you're operating from trying to do better and work harder? What did God respond to Paul? He said, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. My power is perfected in your weakness. It's my grace, not by your power, not by your might. It's by my grace. And this grace is made available to anyone who would put their faith in Jesus. And if you haven't put your faith in Jesus, this grace is made available to you. Jesus made God's grace available and accessible. But it's not by working hard. It's not by becoming more religious. It's by putting your faith in His work. What did Jesus do? He died on the cross for your sins. He conquered the grave so that you can have a new life and the promise of eternity. And He gives you grace. And all you have to do is put your faith in Jesus. So why can't I stop? I believe great things can happen when we begin to operate from a place of God's grace. What addiction are you struggling with? What habit do you want to break? Let's take a moment to pray about it. God, right now there's so many that are struggling with addiction and bad habits, trying to change, but are incapable to do so. And so I pray, God, you would help us to identify those idols in our lives. And we praise and thank you for grace that we receive what we don't deserve. So help us, God, to grow in godliness and Christ-likeness, not by our own power, not by our own strength, but by your power and your grace. God, right now, I pray for every single person who earnestly desires to quit something, stop doing something, because they genuinely want to pursue you and follow you, and, uh, and they, they want to obey you, God. I just pray, God, that you would help us realize this today, that it is only by your grace, by your grace, God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, I truly pray and hope that you were challenged and encouraged by today's message. I want to take a second to invite you to join us in person 
We're gathering this Sunday at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub, 239 Stanhope Street, right here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And come on over, join us, come to the Swerve Hub. Let's worship together. Let's get together. Let's worship God together. Let's learn and grow together. Let's fellowship together. Why don't you come on out and join us in person this Sunday?